Welcome to the X29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. You know, X29 is, is a global church planning network that has done so many things throughout the years. We have new initiatives, we have um, new directives, we have all these kinds of new things launching. But one thing has really stayed consistent, especially in the U.S., is local leadership, is that we want to have a leadership on the ground and caring for our pastors. And what we have in X29 here in the United States is our regional executive directors, our Reds. And I'm so privileged to have one of the great Reds of the greatest region, I think, of the United States, of the South Central, since I live in Texas, Dave Bruskus on the show. Dave, welcome to the X29 podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I can agree about the greatest region. I don't know about the greatest Red. I've got a long ways to go to there we earn go. that status. That's right. So Dave, for the people out there who don't know you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and anything that you think would be of interest to our yeah, listeners. Like even, maybe to. if you whittle chess pieces or, yeah. or anything like that. No, I wish I had skills like that. Um, raised in a home that I think is real typical today in, in our country where my mom was nominally a Christian, meaning that she would go to church a couple times a year. My dad uh, was, a, was, was a son of a Greek immigrant and really was turned off by the Greek Orthodox Church. So okay. really grew up in an, un, an unbelieving home, but came to faith as a 16-year-old. I was in a very faithful Southern Baptist church. It was youth camp. It was the last night of youth camp. And the options were, everybody had to go forward. The options were, <laughs> you could uh, place your faith in Jesus. You could rededicate your life, which I'd done many times. Right. Or you could raise your hand and say, I want to be a vocational pastor. And I did that, not even knowing what that oh, meant. Wow. And strangely, the Lord worked through that. And so um, w- went to college, uh, I graduated with a degree in accounting, went to work for Price Waterhouse in downtown Dallas, Texas, and ended up going to seminary at Dallas, and then began a ministry of really being passionate about replanting and planting churches. So was a part of a replant in Seattle, Washington, uh, came back home to my hometown of Albuquerque, New Mexico, planted a church there. And heard about Acts 29 for the first time after I had planted. And we were in the stage in church life where we really wanted to multiply. And it was an interesting time, Jeff. This would have been mid-2000s. And if you th- if you think through kind of evangelical Christianity there, yeah. this may be a little bit of a generalization. But there were churches that were really effective at reaching lost people, but not very theologically deep. And then mm-hmm. you had churches that were theologically deep, but seemed to be disconnected from culture. And I saw in Acts 29, the merger of those two things, yeah. deep theologically, biblically faithful churches that also engaged culture and reached lost people. And I found my home. So wow. became a member of Acts 29 in um, 2007 through City on a Hill Church in Albuquerque, uh, eventually went to work as an executive elder with Mars Hill Church in Seattle. When I left, City on the Hill became the first out-of-state Mars Hill campus, Mars Hill, Albuquerque. Uh, Mars Hill imploded, as everybody knows about. I was invited to come back to Albuquerque, and the church that I planted to lead that was there for a few years. Uh, then went to work for the Village Church Fort Worth and helped uh, helped another campus transition into autonomy. And that just happened in December, and now wow. I work full-time as the regional executive director in the South Central yes. region. I love it, man. It's such an amazing story. I just won the hand raising of at this camp. So when you look back, <laughs> yeah. do you look back and go, that was, I think a legit moment Yeah. or, or what do you think about well, that? Well, I bet everybody has in their story, something that was almost unconscious to them, meaning like, I don't know what this is about, but I think I'm supposed to do it. And then the Lord and his faithfulness provides detail later on. And so to me, it's one of those things. Like I, I know I'm supposed to go forward. 
I know these other two categories don't fit. I'm not sure I even know what the word vocational means, <laughs> yeah. but this must be my lane. Yeah. And uh, it was a funny story. I went home, told my parents who were incredibly supportive, but they, they said, we want you to pursue a vocational career first outside of ministry. And that's what led me down the accounting path. Okay. So yeah, I did. That. Yeah. Yeah. I had kind of a similar really? story with, with not, not with raising my hand at a camp to be a vocational sure. pastor, but with my parents and like feeling in high school, like I'm feeling a call to spreading the gospel to teaching the Bible. I don't know what that is. And you know, my parents had kind of the same, you need to go to school. Right. That's great. Uh, why don't you go make sure you get a good degree and then you can see kind of what happens. And yeah. I just said, okay, well, I'll do that. I'll go to Texas A&M and get my engineering degree. But wow, I think impressive. I, I think I want to go to seminary afterwards and become a pastor. And my dad just had a change of heart overnight. He just said, you wow. know what? Forget all that. Let's, let's get you into Bible college. And so that's kind of, I mean, fast that's forward fantastic. for me. That's where we're headed today. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because my initial thought was as much as you can understand these things at 16 years old, that what my parents were asking me to do was to step away from like, yeah, we want to kind of redirect you. Or maybe we want you to be financially secure, but you know, in hindsight and having conversations with them, they felt like I would be a more effective pastor if I understood from a very personal experience what it was like to live in the workforce for a while. And I think everybody can get to that place through different ways. You certainly don't have to go through a right. secular career to do that. And it was interesting to go to seminary and to be um, working in an accounting firm full-time. So when I went in to resign my position as a staff auditor with Price Waterhouse oh my to my partner to go to seminary and yeah. already had one daughter at the time. Kara and I had been married. Kara's my wife. You asked me for my family. My wife, Kara, and I have been married almost 34 years, have four daughters, three son-in-laws, three grandkids, two more grandkids wow. on the way, and maybe a son-in-law in okay, okay. coming soon, perhaps. But um, anyway, went in to resign and my the partner just had favor. I had favor with her and she said, well we have this new program where we can offer you full benefits. If you'll give us 32 hours a week, she said, technically Dave, it's for, for women on maternity leave, but we'll give it to you if you'd like it. And so I did that. So I would, I would go to seminary classes in the morning. And as soon as I was done, I'd go right to work as a staff auditor. And it was really cool to see the theology I was learning mm. in, in the morning translate into real life application in the afternoon. And so yeah. that was really helpful to think through just the hardship that our people that we serve go through day in and day out in secular careers that are demanding and that are hard and are difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Very wise and perceptive. I think it's helpful, helpful for ministry all around. And what I love about your role, especially you at you as a red for us is that you've been a lead pastor. So you've, you know what lead pastors in X 29 are going through. Um, you've been through uh, a lot of difficult things in ministry. You've been through a lot of wonderful things in ministry. And so serving as a red, now, I think you just have so much insights, uh, so many insights and, and things to teach us. So before we get into that, what does a red, a regional executive director for X29 do? Yeah, I know. I know saying red either is going to solicit people thinking of red states and it's going to seem very conservative. <laughs> it's going to be very communistic. Like, oh, you're a red, right? <laughs> right. And the McCarthy years. Um, you know, a red basically takes the, 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 the vision that we have for our U.S. churches now that we become a network. And basically is responsible for implementing that region. So very practically in our region, Jeff, my three primary things are to make sure that we have areas. Areas are groups of six to eight churches in a geographical distinctive area, getting together for the purpose of caring for one another, connecting relationally, collaborating, that we also have cohorts. Cohorts meet twice a year, and they're really about peer coaching 
And then we're, we're really wanting to make um, strides in providing support ministry for our wives. So wife's coordination. So in many ways, it's almost like I have in a larger church that the role of small groups pastor, where my job is to come in and, and build the infrastructure out so that our church planners can be healthy. They yeah. can lead healthy churches. And from that place, multiply and produce more churches. Yeah. I love that. And as you think about, man, 2020, I'm sure we could talk, we could record hours and hours of things from 2020. But as you look towards 2021, and kind of the state of lead pastors and families and churches, like what are some things that you would just want to, if you could sit down with a guy on a couch and just say, brother, here's the things I want to give you hope for yeah. things I want to encourage you in. What, what would you tell him? Well, I think, I think that's really an insightful question in that this year was unprecedented. I've never seen anything like it. I, as a matter of fact, I love history and you may have to go back to the civil war mm. to find a time that may be overstated, but I think you may have to go back to the Civil War to find a point in time where the country was so divided. So much that, upheaval. Yeah. yeah. And even even then, probably churches had at least local unity based upon where they were in the region of the country. But it's just so traumatic, just the division and the upheaval in the church. So I've never seen anything like 2020. Our guys are tired. They're weary. But as, as we've talked about, they're hopeful. Here's what I think is really hopeful. It seems to me, this may be somewhat anecdotal, but it seems to me what's happened is the core of the core was incredibly faithful in all our local churches in 2020. We hear over and over again, well, attendance decreased when we came back together, but giving didn't. Giving right. went up. And volunteerism seems to be static. It hasn't, it hasn't decreased. And then a lot of our churches are seeing through the front door a new stream of guests that are either de-churched or unchurched. And they say something like this. This is a generalization, but hey, this pandemic really threw me off. The security that I had built up in my mind all came crumbling down and I kind of need to figure this Jesus thing out. So if you were to say, hey, this was a terrible year and it was brutal in many ways, but what we're left with in our local churches as we move forward is the core of the core of our disciples and this whole new wave of seekers. And I would tell mm. you, man, we could be really excited about the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's so encouraging to think about that, what God could be priming us for and getting us ready for it. And it is crazy to think, I mean, I see that in our own church and other X29 churches as well as that giving going up during this time, uh, when you got attendance numbers looking very different than what it was before, who knows what the Lord yeah. is doing? Who knows? You know, if you look again, back in history and, and, and let's just say we're in a very, tumultuous cultural shift right now. The last time we experienced that, you would probably go back to the late sixties well, on the heels of that. And I think there would have been people that said, our culture's lost. It's post-Christian. We're worried about the things that are going to be happening through all the upheaval of the radical aspect of the sixties. What followed that? The Jesus movement, mm. which launched a lot of the things that we enjoy today in evangelicalism. So perhaps who knows, Maybe we're on the cusp of another renewal, which would be fantastic. Yes. Yeah. And I've heard Ray Orland talk about this before, about seeing the Jesus movement and seeing the like conversations on the ground, on the streets of LA change overnight. Yeah. But yeah. I think what he said afterwards was there just wasn't as, as a strong local church presence to keep the movement going. And I've always just prayed and thought that could Acts 29 be like be that church presence, be that network of churches that when, if revival were to happen, if things were to change on the, you know, in the neighborhoods and on the streets and on the blocks and on the countrysides overnight, like where are all these disciples going to go? Like could our X-29 churches be the place where they could come, they could be discipled, they could learn great theology and learn how to live it out. That's what I hope for. That's so exciting. Yeah. Right, and that's why you just have to stay 
expectant, stay hopeful, and just be committed to building out healthy local churches. Yeah. Dave, one of the things I wanted to ask you was you've been through a lot. You you had time, early times at X 29 with Mars Hill. You had some, some times after that. And now here you are back at X 29. I bet there, there are people who have worked in other organizations and seen things that have, they've seen and said, you know what? I'm done with all of this. I'm not coming back. I, I don't want anything to do with that. But here you are um, working for X 29 what brought you back to X29? How come you didn't go back yeah, to Price Waterhouse? Such a good question. You know? So like, a, here I you are. I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thought crossed my mind. I'm, I may be the only guy that was thrown out of the network and then is back <laughs> in it and on staff to make, to, to make that different when, when Mars Hill was, was, uh, was removed from the network. Here's what's really interesting. When I went, that, that experience was a traumatic experience for me, being a part of Mars Hill and then not you know, being, being removed from X29. And honestly, at that point, I, I think I had some hard feelings, just to be candid, Jeff, and and maybe some misgivings about what Acts 29 was all about. So when I went back to New Mexico after Mars Hill imploded and began to work in that local church two or three years in, we just, we just felt at that local church among our elders, just the urgent need to be a part of something. And so I thought, why not, why not Acts 29? Yeah. You know, I, I, I see some things that are going on that are good. So I reached out to Brian Howard, who is now our executive director. He was, he was leading the West region and that's where our church was in, would have been in. And, and we, we had a couple conversations. He asked some hard questions about my involvement at Mars Hill. He wanted to make sure that the other guys in the West region were okay with me coming back in because there were, there were, there were difficulties around Mars Hill. And so we had some good conversations, but I remember going to a West regional gathering in Reno, Nevada and walking into the room and looking into that room and just seeing the vibrancy mm and the diversity and seeing that things had um, not only grown, but had grown in a very healthy way in the three years that I wasn't a part of the network that I thought, man, I, I, I want to be a part of this thing forever. It was dramatic. It was so exciting. And isn't that just the redemptive ability of our God for a church? That's really the flagship of a network to crash and burn. And yet the kingdom marches on and God does great things. So walking to that room in Reno, was an incredibly uh, just emotional, cathartic moment of just seeing like, man, God is so faithful. There's some incredible things going on. So that was my journey. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I I love X29 so much. And I've been so blessed by X29 brothers and their churches and families and friends that, man, I just can't imagine um, really just putting my anchor anywhere else. Uh, I just, I just, I love our network so much. I've been so helped by you and, and Brian Howard and others just in casual conversations and podcasts and writing uh, so many things. I, I just love our network. So I love that we're, Thanks, you're Jeff. serving us and I get to learn more from you. Uh, I know you're going to be a blessing to guys in our, in our region. And our, wow, that's kind I made so many mistakes and, uh, those are the things you really learn from, aren't they in life? Yeah. You really learn from your mistakes. And so hopefully I can help our guys avoid things. Here's the good news. This is just my singular opinion. The guys that are coming in today that are newer in our network are so much healthier and have so much of a better perspective oh, yeah. of what we're trying to do than when I came in in 2007. And so our culture has changed and I think it's matured and I think it's grown and I think it's good. And yeah. so uh, it's an easy thing for me to do to invite guys to consider planting with Axel. Yeah. yeah, I believe that 100% uh, seeing how much it's matured over the last 10 years that that I've been involved. And some of that is 
we're all getting older <laughs> exactly. too, you know, hopefully we're we all should mature, mature, right? <laughs> yeah. That's part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. That we're maturing in our faith. We're maturing in our own interpersonal dynamics. You know, it's not the Enneagram. The Enneagram isn't is what, what's changing us. You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit's at work in us and all kinds of different tools and resources and books and, and partnerships and all that. So it's just a blessing to see uh, how God's been at work. It is. It is. It's a sobering thing for everyone to watch their brothers fall and to watch uh, churches fail. And, and I think it, it causes us to humbly take into consideration, where are we? What are we doing? What, what needs to change? And although not perfectly, I think our guys have been very responsive to what the Holy Spirit is trying to show us and is showing us through our failure of the past. And so yeah. I'm really hopeful for the future. Yeah, me too. And I, th- I think a big part of that future is kind of this regional executive director piece of where we're going to be at now. Because X29 did, it's gone through some different structural changes. We went to being one global network and now we're back to being a US network and and other countries being being networks as well. And so now with these reds, like what what are some things that you're hopeful for? Uh I know you got the things that you mentioned earlier, but as you look at all the pastors in our, our region, um, what are you hopeful for for them over these next few years? Yeah, I, I first of all really want to see health. And I think we now have not only a, an aspiration for that, I think we've begun to build some systems and structures that will help that along. Yeah. So having cohorts, having areas, having wife support ministries that we've already talked about are critically important. Then I'd love to see us grow in our collaboration. So for instance, you know, Jeff, you, you've served in the Houston area, yeah. which through the Houston Church Planning Network has already done a brilliant job of collaborating to plant churches. Phenomenal. But that's not the case everywhere in our region. And so, you know, I liken it to a, a family. I've got four daughters, so that's my first, that's my uh-huh. first analogy always. And I remember my oldest had been married a few years and was going to get birth, like a church plant, give birth the first time. Everybody in the family had a role to play. Only yeah. one person was giving birth, but everybody had a role to play and support that. And so I do think there are entry points for all of our churches, wherever they are in their life stage, to participate in the future birth of, of church plants. And I think the way we do that best is becoming very localized and really focusing in. Houston's a good example. What a dynamic, world-class city, incredibly diverse. The world is arriving at the doorsteps of Houston, growing dramatically. We need to plant a lot of churches. Yeah. And those churches need to reflect the broader diversity of the community. So there's so much work to be done. But I think if we can invite every church that comes and joins us to see the role that that church plays in the birthing process, it could be really amazing. Yeah. So that's my hope. Yeah, it's exciting to consider just what, I mean, coming out of 2020, X29 changing in these, this, you know, with Brian Howard as our new executive director of these last couple of years and just everything that's happening, like what could be happening in all of our churches across the United States and around the world. I, I'm so excited. I, I know you are. And, and maybe you could help us. Maybe other Reds could, could answer this question too, but what is the experience going to be like? So South Central guys are being able to hear from you, but what about a guy on the West? Um, are with their red kind of be doing a lot of the same things or could be some differences. We want to standardize. We really do because in many ways, regions are somewhat artificial distinctions. We, we live in a very, we live in a very global community wherever we live. So you may live in Dallas, Texas, and you may have a lot more in common with someone living in Boston, Massachusetts than you may in a little town in West Texas because of the way culture has changed. And so, um, we want to standardize across the board, across the U.S., what we're doing. And so in many ways, the, the West region is somewhat of a model for the rest of the country okay. to follow because they're a little bit further ahead in implementing some of these basic systems and structures. 
so we want, we still want there to be a contextualization, right? Texas will always be Texas. Right. There'll be a unique culture to that, which is wonderful, but you're going to have the same opportunities in Texas to participate in X29 at a, at, a, at a grassroots level than you would in Los Angeles. And we want to make sure those things are standardized. So we'll get together, we'll collaborate, but I think what you'll see is that the creative aspect of what we do won't be um, locally unique. It'll be new innovation. So for instance, one of the conversations we're beginning to have right now that we'll talk more about in the future is, are we, do we want to fund? Do we want to be more right. of a funding of church plants? If, if planting more diverse types of churches, is it necessary that we come to the table with a little bit more of a funding mechanism? What might that look like? And so if we do something like that in the future, Jeff, it'll look the same way everywhere across the country. Yeah. That's exciting to, to consider. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pumped about that. Yeah. I think there's just so many things that actually that we're thinking about, praying about, talking about that. If you're listening, if you're listening, you're a lead pastor in X29, I think you should be as excited too, that you're not just joining an organization to put on your website that you're a part of the X29 network. Like you're, you're joining something that is catalyzing church planting, strengthening church planters, multiplying churches, and you're being a, you really are a part of God's global work. And so just buckle up, get ready and just to see what God's going to do through X29. It's so exciting. Absolutely. Much like the local church, everyone has a part to play and we're all better off if everybody plays that part. And yeah. so we want everybody to be involved. Yeah. So good. I wonder, you know, there's a lot of literature out there on church planning and I'm sure you've been exposed to a lot of it. You've, you've seen a lot of it. Are there anything, any books that come to mind when you think of church planning that, you know, I, I just find myself recommending this, or maybe it's just a book that you find yourself recommending to pastors frequently. You know, I think probably what I find most helpful for us when we, when we're in the early stages of thinking through church planting is the theology of church planting. So anything Tim Keller has done in center church is just yeah. so helpful. You know, I think if I could start all over again and go back in time, Jeff, which I can't, <laughs> I would have wanted to have thought through a little bit more of my understanding of the process of sanctification and how I was going to hope to achieve that across the church before I jumped in and just launched a really cool service with a great website. Yeah. So I think theological moorings are critically, critically important. So anything at all that has to do with the theology of church planting. And again, I think Tim Keller has done great work in that. It's really helpful. Then I think you got to go, I think you got to know culture. I think you have to stay in tune with culture. And, and I don't know that there's any one book I would recommend, but you should be looking at the culture mm -hmm. section of the New York times. You should be looking and seeing the future of where our culture is heading because we want to, we want to bring the timeless aspect of the gospel and the essence of the church to the radically changing culture that we live in. And we want to see, we want to, we want to live at the point of the confluence of those two things. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Being a student of a theology and of the culture, I, I think that is kind of the bringing together of the great commission and the great commandment, you know, like, we're loving the Lord, our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're going to study doctrine and we're going to live it. And then the great commission, the people that we're reaching, we want to love them and, and serve them well too. We got to know both of these Absolutely. things. And I think that's why we find most pragmatically that guys typically do best planting in the communities that they're most familiar with. Yeah. There's just, there's this intuitive aspect of, I, I get, I get the people that I want to impact with the gospel and I want to grow in the gospel. But yes. I also want to grow in understanding them. And so it makes, which makes sense, which makes so much sense. Peter went to the Israelites Paul goes to the Gentiles, you know, not one's not better than the other. They just know like, man, I'm gifted and equipped for this. I get these folks. I yeah. understand them. I love them and, and I understand the way they think and they yes. feel and I can, I can 
bring the gospel right to him. Yeah. Like I was just talking with Doug Logan today. He's like, man, I just love urban ministry. I'm like, yeah, cause you get it, man. It's just in your blood. It's who you are. I could never do that. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of the job is to go on a tour of one of our planters communities and just have him point out to me, even the symbols. Hey, look at that. You know, Hey, that this is old school, but the tennis shoes thrown over the power line like that. That's what this means. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And so there's so many things that we learn about when we live in and just embed ourselves in the culture. So I think those two things are critically important. Having, you know, when you think of church planting, really understand what God is doing redemptively through his church and understand the way that he transforms people, changes people, sends people out. And then know your community well. And so whatever resources you can find, uh, and you probably are going to have to go to two or three different sources to put those things together and synthesize those things. Yeah, but yeah. man, be a, be a great student of theology and be a tremendous understanding, have a tremendous understanding of culture. Yeah, that's good. To the, to the church planner that's out there who's listening and is still struggling. I, I think some of our churches are, they've received some oxygen as some of the COVID protocols are ending, um, things are kind of starting to come back to normal, not totally. Um, and we know, especially in the West, I think California is still, and some places are still in pretty severe lockdowns. And man, they're struggling still. What, what would you say to encourage them? Yeah, I think we have a really bright future ahead. So take care of yourself. Take care mm. of yourself. This is a long run. I do think the things that were difficult in the pandemic, by God's grace, we've endured. And I think the table is well set for the gospel to be so differentiated from the, from what our culture sees yeah. about Christianity moving forward. And so be in it for the long haul, be healthy. If you need to take a break, take a break. If you need to build your team up around you so that you're well supported, do that, but have a long view in mind because I think the future looks really bright and you want to, you want to, you want to have a long run towards that. So that's what I would say first and foremost is take care of yourself as best as you can step into this new season with a, with a, with a place of strength surrounded by a, a team that's equipped to do this together. Mm. You know, I think that's the thing we forget about a lot, Jeff and in, in, in Acts 29 and particularly we, we focus on the, the, the lead planter, but right. church planting is always a team sport. Yep. And so it's okay to be honest about your weaknesses and your shortcomings and allow a team to, to come in. That's going to compliment you and what you do. And then from a healthy team, from a healthy place, move forward and trust, good. trust the Lord to work. That's a good word. It just, I, I, we glance over it and even just reading the book of acts, you know, like, there's the the word we is used a lot. Like we did this, Absolutely. we did that. Like Luke's including him. It wasn't just Paul. You know, you read the end of his letters and here's all the people with me. He's got this whole entourage yeah. all the time, all the time. Yeah. And we, he's just, he's dispatching people here and there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you see that, you see that borne out when we look at the context of spiritual gifts that God is so faithful to supply every local church with what they need to have to be effective on ministry. Right. And I think so often we're looking to the outside for help when in reality, I think we better serve to be primary equippers and releasers of those whom God has already brought us yeah. and trust yeah. him in that. And part of that is just the discipline of staying in your lane. Hey, here's what I do. Well, um, be open and honest about my weaknesses and ask for help where I need it. But here we go. Yeah. That's man. That's such a helpful word to just to recall, like God has surrounded you with gifted people that they have, they have, if they have the Holy spirit, they've got gifts and it's rum, he's rumbling inside of them. And just some of his, we got to have the humility to release these people and to let them, we got to delegate and to trust. Um, we need more of that. I think in all of our well, there's, there's this interesting moment I've had in my own experience. And when I've worked with other pastors and other elder boards, when the pastor when the lead guy comes to the conclusion of, Hey guys, I kind of need to stop doing these things and really drill down deep in these gifting, these areas of primary gifting. 
there's almost this collective relief of, yes, we were waiting for you to come to that conclusion. <laughs> and then there's this really cool thing where they step up and fill the roles they need to fill and the thing moves forward. And so, yeah. they, but it, it seems like it typically begins with a pastor just being vulnerable, the lead guy being vulnerable and saying, I'm going to do these things. I need help in these other areas. The church rallies around that and moves forward. And the Lord is so abundant in his uh, provision. He's so faithful. Yeah. Great book on that. Is I think that the imperfect pastor by Zach S. I love that book, man. Yeah, it just comes to mind Zach all the time. It's worth reading. Yeah. Yeah. Where he talks about, you know, often American cultures, we want bigger, better, faster. And I, it was so striking how he draws this analogy in the Jesus parables of the talents that, you know, these guys get the talents or the seeds and the soils. And it says some produce 30, some produce 50, some produce a hundredfold. And that Jesus doesn't say, okay, how can we, how can we get this 30 fold guy to be a 60 fold guy? <laughs> exactly. You know, like, but the American exactly. mindset is how oh, can we yeah. make this bigger, yeah. better, faster? Well, and I've done a lot of ministry in, in a, in a broader Catholic context. And there's this idea of a holy man. Hey, you're, you're the, right. you're the mediator. You do it all. We pay you, you do the work and that's not healthy. No. I and mean, God has something better for us. Yeah. I, I hope that X 29 church cultures that we would, that we could just all get rid of, get rid of and try to fight this. Like, Hey, you're the pastor. You, you got the direct, direct connection to God. Would you pray for him? Like, Hey, we all have a, if you're in Christ, we all have a direct connection. I'm not the only one that, that prays, but yes, I'll pray for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I see that happening in our network now. I don't know if you see it, but there, there was a time and I don't know if there's anything wrong with this, but there was a time where if you were part of X 29, there were two or three very prominent guys who really did all the speaking and they were really the magnet that drew everybody mm. else in. And now what I'm seeing is really pretty dynamic where, where we're leading in teams and, yeah. and, and, and although, you know, certainly Matt Chandler has a great profile and deep respect, oh, a big platform. Yeah. Um, I don't encounter a lot of guys that are joining our network solely from that perspective. Yeah. It's because one of their friends invited them in or they were encouraged. They were developed to one of our local churches. And so, I think that's, I think that's great. I, I, think, think, that's that, true. I think that bodes well for our future again. Yeah. I think that's true. There, there's not a, it's not a personality magnetism, right. um, that it's more mission. It's more kingdom. Um, and I think it's an encouraging sign of health for, for our network too. I, I love that. I agree with that. Well, Dave, final three questions. I like, I like yes. to ask as, yes. as we wrap up. Okay. First question I already kind of did it earlier, but it's a little different. Um, a great book you've read recently that yeah. you'd want to recommend yeah. to others. Two, two books. I've thought about this because I anticipated this question, <laughs> being a big fan of this podcast. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the good work you do, Jeff. Two, two, two books I read every year. So I want to recommend these two books. One is a, one is a, one is a spiritual formation book. It's the life of God and the soul of man, Henry Skugel's work, which I always read in January because I don't know about you, but I kind of can get lost mm. in just the, the structure of spiritual formation. So that's a great work that puts it so, and I'm, I'm a visual learner. It just creates a perfect vision for me of, this is what it looks like for God to be active in, okay. you, in your soul, Dave. It's a little read. You can read it. You can read it in 30 minutes. If you haven't read oh, wow. it, Henry Skugel, Henry Skugel, Life of God in the Soul of Man. Okay. I love U.S. history. And one of the most fascinating, not well-known characters in U.S. history is a guy named Kit Carson. Never from, heard of him. From my home state of New Mexico. And uh, um, the, the book is Blood and Thunder by Hampton Sides. And there's, there's so much in that that's going to be helpful to make sense of where we are in America today with manifest destiny and, uh, racial indigenous differences. But Kit Carson was this, not a perfect person by any stretch, but grew up in, um, grew up in a rural part of the Midwest, was illiterate, but yet spoke fluent Spanish, 
spoke multiple indigenous languages, wow. initially was married to an indigenous woman, had an indigenous family, moved to New Mexico, married a Hispanic woman, spoke Spanish, converted to Catholicism. And he, like Forrest Gump, is a part of every significant event that happens in the late 18th century, 19th century. It's really incredible. Like he's a, he's a civil war veteran. He's Interesting. in the Mexican American war. He, he's just, it's just, it's a phenomenal story. Huh. So if you like history at all, blood and thunder yeah, by blood Hampton, thunder. Hampton, okay. Hampton sides is the author. Wow. That is very interesting. It's a very interesting read. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those are two great recommendations. Thanks. I'm going to go add them Thanks. both to my Amazon wishlist. You did think about it. You, you made solid. I thought about it. Yeah. 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 Solid ones. Okay. Cause I probably know it's going to be deficient in the other questions. So I thought <laughs> nah. I better start out strong. Okay. So go to order in a coffee yeah, shop. So here's getting? the thing with coffee for me. I don't have a sophisticated palate. I never drank coffee. Sad, but true confession. Until I moved to the, to move to Seattle. Really? And it's a necessity there. Oh yeah. So early on, if you would have asked me what, what my favorite coffee is, it'd be like asking me what my favorite aspirin is. It's like whatever delivers the relief because it's so <laughs> dreary and dark in the winter months there and the days are short. But I will say over time, I like, I like pour overs. I, I, yeah. I don't have a sophisticated palate, but I can taste the difference. So yes. if I have time and I'm waiting to meet somebody and it's not a quick rushed order, I'll get a pour over. I really yeah. enjoy a good pour over. That, that is the king of coffee, I, I believe. A V60 pour over, a Kalita wave pour over, any of those. Unbelievable. That's the way to do it. And, and the beans matter. So you can't take like folders and put sure. it in a pour over, sure. you know, which could be interesting to do a taste Somebody test. should do that. I, yeah. could, I could see a whole genre of stores breaking yeah. onto the scene. That'd be hilarious. That. That'd be a good like April Fool's Day, yeah. just serving folders on a V60 pour over for $5 <laughs> a cup. Sure. You know okay. Big margins there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final question, which I think is always the best question. Your, your favorite verse and our yeah. sacred scriptures that you find yourself. You know, to. I love... Colossians 1, 15 through 20, because I, I think two things about it I love. One is it's the meta narrative of the Bible. It's the image of Jesus uh, being the, the agency of creation, Jesus being the head of the church, um, his, his perfect life, his substitutionary death, his victorious resurrection being the baseline story of the Bible. But I love the thought of that he might be preeminent in all things. Yeah. And so I would love for my life to reflect his preeminence in every way. I want my marriage to reflect that. I want our churches, Jeff, if, if, if anyone were to say and do a deep dive on what is the next we nine church, next we nine church is a church that lives with the awareness of the preeminence of Jesus and everything. So that would be my favorite passage. Yes. Amen. That's a great text. That's such a great, powerful message. I, anytime somebody, and I love when I get this opportunity, Hey, will you come preach? Sure. I'll be glad to. Do you want me to work through a series you have? No, whatever you want to do. That's my go. You know, passage. you're going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if I've done too. it three times in that same it's church, so good. they don't invite me back after that, but that's okay. <laughs> that's so good. Thanks. So good. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on the X-Men podcast. Me, Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate thanks, your work. Thanks for serving our network. Happy to do that. And listeners, be sure to share this episode there in your social media feeds. And if you're so, so willing, we'd love for you to leave a review there in your podcast app. Just click those stars and let uh, your friends know. And remember, listeners, let's keep planting churches to the ends of the earth.